The Shady Hoosier Detective Agency Ghost-Busting Mystery Episode 2 Chapter 2 Yep, Harry was not happy. Vini, on the other hand, was bouncing around the office like a balloon someone had let the air out of. Vini, Lavinia Goins by birth, had always wanted to be a professional ghostbuster. Vini is four feet seven inches and weighs 150 pounds. She is 71 years old and has white hair she wears swept up, Cupid doll style. When she bounces, it makes an impression. That day she was wearing her customary poncho. This one was hot pink with purple tassels with fetching yellow capris and a pair of second-hand Wonder Woman Crocs. She had snatched up the entire ensemble for $5 in the chubby girls' department at Goodwill. Vini and I have been best pals since we worked side-by-side side on the auto-button line at the Bold Mold Plastics Factory back in the 60s, when we were both still in high school before the EPA decided that pouring plastic waste into White River was a doo-doo of an idea. These days, jobs are scarce out here in the country, which is pretty much how Vini and I came to be working for Harry. Harry was sitting at his desk, looking disgusted with the both of us. No, he said, all sour-faced. Absolutely not. No ghost-busting. He tilted his brown fedora hat back on his head. Unsatisfied that he'd made enough of a statement, he tossed the hat on the desk. He made a sound with his lips like a motorboat. <coughs> Why incarnation not? I had to ask. Because, for starters, ghosts don't exist. He ran a hand through his pewter-colored hair and straightened his stubby, wide tie. He was wearing his customary three-piece suit. He was a trim guy, on the right side of sixty, with a penchant for the married ladies. He'd just grown a mustache and liked to chew on it when he got upset. He was all right mostly, but was always trying to class up the business and romance the women folk of Pawpaw County. Since no one in Nobby Waters cared much for class, let alone romance, he was pretty much as frustrated as a sick squirrel most of the time. Vini had calmed down and was inspecting the money jars. She had a tea towel and was wiping off the moldy newspaper and clay dirt. We'd both officially retired a while back. But the economy, being the way it was would taken a shared job as detectives in training with Harry. Pay wasn't much, but it helped. Vini and I didn't have any 401ks or IRAs or any of those other fancy financial things, but we still had our wits about us. Vini was a born snoop, 
delighted at long last to have her natural talents recognized at a professional level. Vini and I shared a house and a car, 60 Chevy Impala turquoise. Like me, she was used to living on a budget. The thought of spending the afternoon cleaning the corroded money didn't bother either of us. We were used to working for our money. How much you reckon is in them jars? Vini asked. Dode says thousands. Harry sighed. Dode also thinks there are aliens with big butts hanging out in his neighbor's apple trees. Or ghosts, I said. He hired us to determine which, and to make sure they weren't up to no good. Vini's little cornflower blue eyes shone over the top of her Coke bottle glasses. She had some macular degeneration, but wasn't about to let that slow her down. Her desire to snoop won out over every infirmity God tossed her way. I bet it's them Wyatts come back to haunt the town. Harry, who was a transplant from up north, a South Bend to be exact, asked Vini why the Wyatts would want to haunt anyone in Knobby Waters. They were a bunch of ne'er-do-wells. That's how they got that mansion in the first place. What mansion? The Wyatt Mansion, said Vini. The abandoned one across from Dode's farm. Harry snorted. That thing looks like something the Munsters wouldn't live in. I'd not call that a mansion. Well, said Vini, it's been empty since the twenties. It's old. Place needs to be gussied up a bit. I dove into the history of the Wyatt family for Harry. Jedediah Wyatt was one of the founding fathers of Knobby Waters, came up from the South after the Civil War. He operated the first ferry that crossed over from Old Fort Valonia to the Knobby Waters bottomlands, built the first bank to trade animal pelts and tobacco, stuff like that. From there on, he pretty much ruled the roost back in the late 1800s. The southern part of Indiana is mounded with hills, shot through with creeks and rivers that bleed south to the Ohio River. You could get on a raft in Knobby Waters, ride it all the way down to Louisville, then hang a right to catch the Ohio River. Once in the Ohio, you could row west toward the mighty Mississippi. Once on the Mississippi, you could shoot straight down to New Orleans. You'd eventually get spit out into the Gulf of Mexico. Most folks these days never left the state, though. It was the river highways that made Knobby Waters a natural trading post, with a rich river bottomland suited to tobacco and corn farming back in the day. Harry looked confused about Jedediah Wyatt and the geography of southern Indiana. Jedediah built the first national bank of Knobby Waters, Indiana? Heck no, I corrected him. The first national was the second bank in Knobby Waters. The Apple family founded that one long about 1910. The Apple's bank was the second bank in town, but it made it through all the crashes and bank failures because Silas Apple was so tight he could squeeze a buffalo nickel until the buffalo pooped. Vini was nodding along, 
She looked at Harry. Didn't they teach you any Indiana history up there in the big city of South Bend? Oh, geez, said Harry. Guess I missed the chapter on the founding of Knobby Waters. Vini stuck her false teeth out at Harry. Oh, for Pete's sake, stop it, you two, I said. I ain't got time to babysit. Harry asked me what happened to the Wyatts and their bank. Well, I continued, the bank and old man Wyatt were long gone before I was born. Bank failed long about 1920. Jedediah Wyatt claimed the flood of 1919, worst the town ever seen, ruined all the crops and swept away the livestock. All his loans were to farmers. Once the collateral got swept away, Jedediah bolted the bank doors and rode out of town. When the town folks blew open the safe, hoping to get their savings back, the only things in there were an empty whiskey jug, nudie photos, and a note that read, Adios, folks. Harry looked dubious. He just up and left his bank, his house. Weren't they worth something? Turned out the Wyatt Mansion, a big old brick Victorian with turrets, 13 rooms, one of them an indoor bathroom with a blue marble john imported all the way from Italy, was owned full out by some railroad bank and trust down in Louisville. The bank building had been mortgaged too. All Jedediah left behind was a mountain of bad debt. And his young wife, added Vini. Jedediah was a bachelor until he hit 70. My pappy told me he had just married one of those cross-eyed Aulis girls, probably for the dowry. Don't think anyone ever married an Aulis unless they got paid to do it. I know I wouldn't. Harry petted the end of his mustache. She related to the Aulises who live out on the Brick Plant Hill Road today? Might be, I said. Harry seemed to be softening up. We can take Dode's case? You approve? I wouldn't go so far as to use the word approve, but we are low on cash right now. Low? screeched Vini. R.J. and I are holding our paychecks. Last week we barely made hot dog money. Harry stood up and headed toward the door. The detective agency was in an old Rexall drugstore, and Harry lived upstairs in a bachelor apartment. So if he truly wanted to get away from us, he had to scoot out of the office for the day. Fine. You two take this one. Good training for you. It's lunchtime. I'm headed over to Pokey's to drum up business. Pokey's was the tavern and pool hall. They served a light lunch. The best things on the menu were their cheesy mystery meat sandwiches and cheap tap beer, Schlitz or Papst Blue Ribbon, and, oh yeah, their greasy, fat onion rings. Men hung out there, mostly playing cards and hiding from their wives. Vini enjoyed their takeout. Women weren't all that welcome to hang inside unless they were Jezebels, or hard drinkers, preferably both. On occasion, Vini had called in a late-night order of onion rings and a cheesy mystery meat sandwich or two. 
Pokey's was the only place in town, besides the go-go gas that was open past midnight. As soon as Harry was gone, Vini and I figured out how to pop open one of the money jars. It had been plugged with cork and wax-coated newspaper. The corkscrew on my Swiss Army knife did the trick right nice. I'd never seen Vini so excited about a case. She wasn't too happy about the smell that came out of the jars, though. Smells like the cab of Pappy's truck when he used to go fishing in July. He'd toss the catfish in the cab and forget about him for a day or two. Worse, I said as I teetered backwards, slapped in the face by the smell. I got a jug of vinegar, a bucket, and a little scrub brush from the broom closet so we could launder the cash. The top opening on the jug was only about an inch wide. How are we going to get the cash out? asked Vini who, being impulsive, already had her plump fingers stuck in the opening. Bust the jar, I reckon. I dug around in my desk until I found a ball-peen hammer. I swung at the jar, and it cracked. Water and coins rushed out onto the wood floor. The mess puddled across Vini's feet like a slimy green tongue. Good thing I'm wearing my water-resistant Wonder Woman Crocs, said Vini. Wonder Woman squished over to the broom closet to get the dustpan and broom to sweep up the cash. We sat at her desk sorting the loot in heaps by denomination. That task took most of the afternoon. We came up with about $900 from the first jar, which was enough to make the retainer. I eyed Vini. You want to take this to the bank tomorrow? Sure. I could tell by the gleam in her eyes, they shone like blue fireflies, that she couldn't wait to annoy uptight Avenel Apple by dumping a load of corroded green coins onto the bank's spotless marble countertops. Avenel was president of the First National Bank of Nobby Waters and Vini's lifelong enemy. They'd been throwing hissy fits with each other for 50 years. A long story involving a rigged cat judging contest at the Pawpaw County Fair. The cash cleaned and counted and safely stashed away in double plastic bags from the Hoosier feed bag, we locked up the office. Vini and I headed home, feeling mighty proud that we'd landed a new case. Vini chattered like a chipmunk all the way home in the Impala. We co-owned the 60 Impala, so I had no choice but to let her ride shotgun. Her bad eyesight had caused her to lose her legal license. It was up to me to chauffeur us both around. I'm running to the Goodwill first thing in the morning, said Vini. Need me some new ghost-busting attire. Personally, I couldn't wait to see what she came up with. <laughs>